All right. Welcome back, everyone. This is Tatiana and Eugene. Good morning, Eugene. Morning. And today we have Terry Mead as our guest. Welcome, Terry. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, surviving what we're going through right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everybody is, I think. So, Terry, um, we our topic for this month um, has been kind of um, doing your own taxes versus um, hiring a professional to help with that. So, would you um, just tell us a little bit about what your background is, and then um, let's talk about what your experience is with that. Okay, well, great. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I am. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was born in San Francisco, and I've never actually lived anywhere else, which is an unusual thing, being a California native. Um, but I've spent the last 20-plus years working in and with biotech, med device, diagnostic, and digital health companies, helping them with their IT and technology strategies and um, compliance needs, like FDA-regulated stuff. I've um, recently started doing expert witness work for failed technology projects. So if there's some sort of litigation between a customer and, um, let's say, a technology company, I can be brought in on either side to provide um, expert testimony around, uh, around the project. I'm also an author of the book, Piloting Your Life, which I published last September, um, I'm a blogger on Medium and a podcaster with a podcast called Piloting Your Life. And I recently got into doing a YouTube channel. Um, and so I keep pretty busy on a number of different things. Um, but I did cut my teeth um, as an accountant, you know, way back when starting to do filing at nine for my dad's accounting firm. He had me doing tax returns and financial statements at 16, and I was doing audits and reviews at 20. But he wanted me to take over his accounting firm. I did not. So I got my MBA instead of my CPA and then fell into the technology work that I've been doing for the last 20 years. That's amazing. That's very cool. Um, very cool um, um, path that you've had. It's, it's a busy um, one. Far. It's a busy one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have two teenagers too, right? Yeah, my son is almost 19 and is a freshman at San Diego State. And my second child, Ray, is 15. That's cool. That's cool. Um, are they going to follow your path, do you think? No, absolutely IT? not. Um, Adam wants to get his doctorate in philosophy and teach philosophy. And Ray Ray is into arts and, uh, well, I mean, Ray may follow me on the literary side, but I didn't decide to write a book until basically, you know, two or three years ago. Um, so that was relatively new. I never saw myself as an author. It still feels weird to call myself an author, but no, Ray is all about arts and, uh, literature. So, no, I can't get either of them to take, I mean, I'm not a programmer, but I can't get either of them interested in programming or really computers, which is, you know, I'm in the heart of Silicon Valley. It's, it's, it's like such a shame that they're not, you know, not at all interested in that at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. So tell us about your kind of T um, tax prep experience. So as from what I understand, have you always been a self-employed or have you like for a, a for a big part of your life have you worked for a firm like 
Could you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So for the last 15 years, I've had um, my consulting firm, Solutions to Projects, and that is a, a now LC. It's a single member um, limited liability company. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was going to start a venture fund. Oh, because I also do angel investing and startup advisory. Um, so I invest in startups, which is, you know, I live in Lando startups. Um, and so I, I started another LLC thinking that I was going to do that fund. And instead, I've shifted that over. And um, I do a lot of uh, my investing activity um, through that um, through that entity. So I have two two basically two businesses. But prior to that, I was an, um, I was just an employee for uh, a couple of different biotech companies. Um, I was laid <laughs> I was laid off by two biotech companies within three years, which is when I said I'm done with someone else controlling my destiny, and so I started my um, my consulting business. Um, but in terms of you know, I was always an employee, but I worked for my dad's accounting firm, and we had a lot of small businesses as clients, and so I saw a lot of small business owners. Um, and I worked with, um, uh, uh, my executive coach for a number of years. And the first time I got laid off, she suggested that I go out on my own. And I was like, Nope, I've seen all of my clients and all that they've had to deal with and employees. And I'm like, Nope, not going there. And then when I got <laughs> laid off by the second biotech company, I was like, okay, I'm ready and decided to set it up. So when I set up my company, I really thought it was going to be more than me. I wanted to hire women who needed a little flexibility, but just did exceptional work as subcontractors. And um, I also wanted to develop some products to support the work that we did. So I, you know, I set up the LLC, I set up the website, put together, you know, legal agreements and and set it up super professionally rather than just hanging out a shingle and saying, I'm consulting. So, um, so I've had, you know, the mixed experience between being an employee and then also being a, a consultant. And how did you find, like, um, how did you find kind of this, this, switch or can you give us a little bit of a like um not a comparative but sort of like the pros and cons of um both of them so like the pros and cons of the working for somebody and then also the same for what kind of working on your own and um how you handle taxes and um stuff like that well i make a much better consultant than an employee because i'm a straight shooter and not everybody likes that in an employee um as i found out especially you know if you're a, a woman um i'm just about to turn 50 and so it's um i i was pretty threatening to a lot of men in the the places that i worked as an employee whereas as a consultant um, I felt I realized I could charge higher rates and that I could actually garner the respect of the of my clients and speaking, um, telling them what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. So for me, it ended up being um, liberating to some extent. As for, you know, I, I am a pretty much a jack of all trades. And so I don't mind the the sales, the networking. I don't mind the administrative side of things because I did have an underlying, you know, accounting background and find, you know, my first job when I finished my master's degree in um, new venture small business management is I went to work as a financial analyst and fell into system implementation work. 
So I have, I, you know, I'd done, you know, sales wasn't a problem. The administrative stuff wasn't a problem. Um, over time, the, the legal stuff really wasn't a problem because I was used to negotiating um, legal agreements for the work that I did. Um, so I didn't have a problem with that. I do see a lot of other people who are, who have trouble with that switch because um, there's uh, a great book by Michael Gerber. Um, yeah. The E-Myth? Uh, the the E-Myth, yes, which is, okay, so you're familiar with that. So a lot of people come and talk to me because they want to start their own consulting firm. And I talk, I say, go read the E-Myth and understand that you need to wear all of these hats and you have to be comfortable wearing all these hats and you can't just be good or exceptional technically in something and not be able to do the management and then also do the um, do the administrative side of it. You've got to be able to do all of those and because I'd worked for my dad's accounting firm, because I'd seen what he did, because I saw what all of our clients did. And then I got also farmed out to a bunch of our clients, whether it was a chocolate manufacturing company, um, whether it was a law firm. Um, I worked at a bunch of different companies throughout high school and college. In addition to you know working for my dad, I was also um, an ex-boyfriend of mine had a family business, and I was a, a controller and human resource manager for them before I graduated from college. Um, so I'd seen all of these different areas, and so for me, it was not a tough a tough switch because I was familiar with with how all of these things pretty much um, worked. I I know I'm a little bit of an unusual case, so. Um, the the biggest challenge really has been around um, healthcare. Um, I am using um, Trinet, uh, which is a professional employee organization, yeah, and yeah, or PEO, and there there are a number mm-hmm. of different PEOs that are out there. So I basically outsource stuff, and it allows me to be an employee of my own company. It allows me to access um, healthcare supposedly at a reasonable cost because I think that's my biggest concern is not having access to healthcare. My husband has stayed home with the kids for 12 and a half years. He just recently went back to work, but doesn't have benefits through, um, through his job, but he's also a retired police officer. So he has healthcare through the South San Francisco police department, but Mm -hmm. we, but I wanted a different plan that was available. I wanted a, a PPO, not an HMO. Uh, we may change it because it's just gotten so incredibly expensive. I mean, the the amount that it costs for me and the kids to have a PPO with a high deductible, I think, and we're healthy. I mean, it's it's somewhere between it's like twenty five to twenty seven thousand dollars a year. It's insanely expensive. So that's been probably the, the, the biggest challenge around it. Um, but the idea of me going back to be an employee is untenable at this point because I like the, I like the flexibility, you know, I like the flexibility. I like, um, I don't, you know, I use QuickBooks in order to manage our, uh, my, my business books. Um, I use Microsoft money to manage our personal finances and then, you know, um, I, I use Excel to consolidate all of it. So I have a clear idea of what my, what our financial picture is. That's cool. I used to use Microsoft money, but I feel like, well, we all, we're all on max. Well, Eugene is on both, but we're all on max here. So um, I used to use Microsoft money maybe a decade ago. 
then they stopped up updating it and stuff. Do yeah, they, they still did. update? No, there are no updates, but you can still um, you can still download for free the Sunset version. I have looked at Mint. I have looked at you know other things, but for me to be able to track in our personal stuff the our our um, all of our financial um, portfolio stuff, the transactions because I enter all the transactions. I used to have my kids do it, and then they refused to do it, so I'm back to doing it again. Um, <laughs> But I recently, my I dropped the laptop that it had it installed on because it's not cloud based, and I hadn't backed it up since June, and which is horrifying. Eugene is probably just slapping his head right now. I mean, yeah, it's like the cobbler's kids has no have no shoes. I mean, I'm just an idiot. So um, I had I decided I looked around to see what the other options were that were available, and none of them. It was either moving over to like Quicken and I'm like, well, I already know Microsoft money. I have literally 25 years worth of data in here. So I just installed it, restored the backup from June and I was up and running like lickety split. So um, I, I know I looked out there, I'd rather have a cloud version of something. um, But I mean, I hate the QuickBooks cloud version. Um, it's just from a data entry perspective, it's just so painful. Really? Um, I actually have the opposite experience with QuickBooks Online. Um, I use it for both, obviously, the personal and the business. And for me, it saves me a ton of time every month when I do updates because it takes, you know, it does um, transaction upload automatically. Their Their engine is very, like, Mint is using the same engine, right, Eugene? I think you were telling me that. I mean, Intuit I think bottom maybe huh? or they're like part of it, but I'm assuming that they share some code, but yeah. It, well, Intuit, I think owns QuickBooks. So or Intuit owns TurboTax. Is Intuit own QuickBooks? Um, yeah, I they think they own all of it. <laughs> they own Mint. They own uh, QuickBooks. They own TurboTax. They own ProConnect, ProSeries, Lacert and all of that good stuff. But I've been using QuickBooks Online for, I mean, I use only QuickBooks Online now, even though it used to be that, you know, this desktop was a much more robust product, but it's just the, the QuickBooks Online kind of unties my hands in terms of being able to help clients um, quickly, efficiently, and stuff. So even though it's oh, an inferior- I agree with that. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah. agree with that. It's just, I I don't trust the, the, the categorization of the transactions when I pull them in. I have to go manually touch them and add a project to all of them anyway. So um, it just, it, it just, it's just, um, I'm also, at, when I do data entry, I don't like using my mouse. I like to use tab. I'm a little old school like yeah. that. And yeah. that's not super friendly. <laughs> and if you hit enter, I mean, it's just, there are some things that I'm a little old school on and it doesn't like. I used to know up to like the number of tabs that I have to hit to do what I need to do quick. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, but QuickBooks Online has, has given me an opportunity to like quadruple my business. So, um, you know, I can never go back to desktop. But for personal finance, I also recommend QuickBooks Online. I mean, you can get a simple, simpler version and um, it's just as powerful. You can import stuff and I don't know, it's just, you know, it's just an idea. Um, I'll have to go look, I I have to go look to see how it handles like the financial transactions for whether it's my stock portfolio or my startup investments, you know, all of that. I don't, I don't know how, uh, Comp, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. 
So, and if it allows me to import from Microsoft money, because I really do want to retain my years of history, I had to look up, I mean, just the other day, I mean, my husband totally mocks me for having detailed transactions, <laughs> but um, we had, you know, it's been raining here in the Bay Area and um, our roof was leaking and we were trying to figure out, he, he was asking about the paperwork on it with the warranty. And I said, well, let me go see when we purchased it. And so I was able to quickly do a, do a search and find out that we purchased it, you know, nine and a half years ago. And then I found the paperwork that I had filed and the, the warranty expires in 10 years. So, um, so even though he laughs at me, I'm able to pull stuff up relatively quickly and get, you know, get answers to, to manage, um, you know, to manage our household. That's amazing. I mean, my husband, um, he happens to be an engineer as well um, as, you know, Eugene's an engineer and his mom's an engineer. So I think Eugene went to engineering because of because of that, right, Eugene? <laughs> I mean, I was also pretty undecisive if I wanted to do like medicine or some sort of business. And I figured engineering was one of those degrees you can get and kind of guarantee yourself a job without needing a master's or a PhD or something. So it was more laziness and hedging <laughs> laziness that sounds pretty strategic to me well, i didn't want to like commit <laughs> so if you say i'm going to do biology to be a doctor you can't like get a job with a bachelor's in biology no it's it's hard you're right yeah so it's, it's, anyway so the reason i was saying that is my husband was more like he had microsoft money since 1997 um <laughs> and then and then, and you know, he's an engineer, he's not an accountant. Um, so when I took over because I, you know, got my accounting degree and all of that, and I started working in accounting, um, for a while we've been doing, using Microsoft money for the, for our personal financials, but it just proved to be because they stopped the updates and we didn't want to kind of have the, um, uh, local backup or whatever. Uh, we switched. I switched to QuickBooks Online, and we've had probably about ten years now um, in QuickBooks Online. And because well, I'm an accountant, I get like, yeah. I'll have to go. Check, I'll have to go check it out. But the I'm now saving backups to Dropbox, so um, that is not going to be a problem again. It was just the computer. You know, to your point, like the computer that I had. I pretty much had it. I didn't have it attached to the internet because I didn't want to compromise the install by doing security updates. And that's why, um, and I would have to manually move a backup to the cloud, which is why I didn't have a more recent um, backup. But the two, yeah, installed versions of stuff locally is a pain in the booty. <laughs> yeah. So um, what have has, has been your experience in terms of tax preparation? Um, have you been doing your own? When when did you hire someone? Or, or like, t just talk a little bit about that because I'm curious. Based on your experience, it should be very interesting. <laughs> so, um, so when I worked for my dad's accounting firm, we used Lacert way back in the day, and so I'm, I think I must have. I mean, I had nothing way back. Um, I mean, I stopped working for him like when I was 26. So we had. I mean, I had like a an IRA and you know, that was pretty much it. Um, I don't think I'd done much investing at that point. So it was pretty easy. And so we just prepared it using little cert stuff through my dad. And then when I left the firm, um, my dad continued to do my tax return. So I would send him all the stuff. And as we, um, you know, made more investments and it got more complicated, 
he just, we would just send it over all of the stuff over to him. And then he would, he would take care of it. Um, you know, he would send me a planner, I'd fill out the planner and then, then send it over. Then, um, my dad is almost 75. And, um, a couple years ago it was like, you know, this isn't, this is, you know, I wanted my, my dad had actually retired. He'd sold his firm, but was still doing some tax returns. My mom had worked for my dad for many, many years, and my, and I knew that there was a certain amount of fatigue around that. And so um, I think it was two years ago, uh, last year might have been the first year that I used somebody else. So I found somebody locally who um, is able to do, I, don't, I, I can't really use him for tax planning, but I send him my stuff and he was able to uh, prepare the tax return. I reviewed it. Um, and then, you know, suggested some changes that needed to be made. They, he made them and then we were able to finalize them and we, we file federal and then California. And then because of one of our investments were also in Oklahoma, um, which is kind of, you know, a little bit of a pain, but we do have a complicated tax return because of our investments. So we get K ones. Um, we don't have any other property, but I do have the two businesses. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's okay. I, I feel like I would like to have somebody who's able to, you know, provide better guidance, but right now, you know, he's reasonably priced and, um, it's working this. So I haven't prepared a tax return in, you know, 25 years. Um, but this year, um, last year, my son had a job and he, he had withholding. And so, um, I use TurboTax for the first time to prepare a tax return in order to get his $55 back. And because he was, uh, I thought there was more on the W2 than there was. And so because it was under, um, it, it, we were able to use the free version of TurboTax and I was surprised at the complexity of, of the program. And I thought if somebody doesn't have experience with, um, tax preparation or doesn't understand accounting, um, I was like somebody, because even some of the stuff I had to look up what they were, what the things were. So I couldn't imagine people using TurboTax to be able to do it. Um, if you know, it's, I think it's, it's a lot more complicated than people think. Eugene, what do you think? Because Eugene has experience with TurboTax. He, we just, one of our episodes, uh, prior episodes, we actually talked about his experience. He had a terrible experience this year. <laughs> but yeah. uh, do you, Eugene, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, ever since I was, like, first couple of jobs, I always just sort of did them on TurboTax, and it was always, I thought, pretty easy because I just had the one form and then the college stuff. But this year, for no reason, like, I didn't I just had the one W2, nothing interesting. And it was just it was frustrating. I, I couldn't figure out some of the the fields and my suspicion is because it's a web app, they update it like every two weeks or every month. So I might have just like done it at a time that a bad version is out. But I had a pretty pretty terrible experience this year. He had to amend his tax return. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm afraid that I'm hoping that we don't have to amend Adams because I was like, we got something and I'm like, oh, but I'm like, it's, it was, it's immaterial. So I'm just going to ignore it. I don't think he's going to get penalized um, for anything around it. 
I'll still have to check to see if he even got his, his $55 refund um, yet. But I thought it was, I thought it was fairly complicated with all of the things that, you know, it, 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 it took you through a journey and you could say yes to something that would then take you down a path. And then it was like, Oh no, 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 I don't want to be down this path. And then you have to back, back out. So, um, and since I don't have previous experience, I don't know if this is like new since the, the tax laws changed. What was it two years ago when it, the, the changed considerably two years ago? Um, but it just felt a lot more complicated than it should have been, than it needed to be. I mean, I get asked all the time about TurboTax. Like, do you, do you use TurboTax? I'm like, no, <laughs> I feel like it's, <laughs> you know, like it's interesting. People, people ask, people think that accountants use TurboTax. Um, well, they, do, anyway. they don't know that there are other professional products that are out there that are designed for accountants versus designed for your general consumer. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like TurboTax for me, it like just makes me mad because um, <laughs> like I, someone asked me to look into their Tur- uh, TurboTax a couple of years ago and I looked and it just makes me mad because it asks so many questions that like, I know where to go. I, I know what I, what I want to do. Like, just, just get me to that field. I see. I think. I think that's the problem for me as well. Is I. I can imagine what the forms look like, and because we used Lacert so many years ago, I can imagine. And having done a number of different tax seasons on that, you know, it's in, you know ingrained in my brain. Um, I'm. I can see where things belong on fields, and asking questions doesn't work for me. Um, and I think it's just because when you have an accountant brain and experience with it, you approach things one way. Um, it's kind of like a Mac versus a PC person. Like for me, I'm a PC person. I get on a Mac and I'm completely lost. And I think you both of you are Mac people. And so you're probably like, that's crazy. But I, I, you know, people get on PCs and they're like, how do I work one of these? So it's just, you know, your different perspectives or different views when you're an experience coming at something. Um, what I wanted to ask you, I mean, we are actually Eugene is both um, because he works, um, he uses PC for home and then Mac for work, I think, right, Eugene? Yeah, so I'm recording on a PC now. And then I also play a ton of computer games. So you have to have Windows for that. <laughs> no, I'm an adult guy, it's um, really. <laughs> um, okay, so so I wanted to ask you what, like, from a, uh, from a perspective of our listener who, let's say, um, doesn't know because a lot of folks don't know whether or not they should have an accountant. Some folks feel a lot more confident and do their own stuff. And then they switch to an accountant and all of a sudden they're, they realize that they've been kind of wasting tax money in all of these years. But then some are um, using an accountant where they they could just plug a couple of numbers into um, something like TurboTax. What, what do you think, what could you recommend or what would you kind of suggest? Because you have kind of a, mixed experience. You, you do have an accounting brain, like you said. Um, but then at the same time, you're not an accountant. What would you think, like, what would be the thresholds and stuff like that? Well, I mean, the threshold is it's beyond just tax preparation. So accountants can provide tax planning, um, retirement planning, well, I mean, retirement planning assistance, and you can have uh, financial advisors. It just depends on the experience of your accountant. A lot of times, accountants have a, can have a broader view of your financial situation and it goes beyond just uh, a tax return. 
So if you're getting to the point where, you know, you, you know, you're not a kid in college anymore and you move beyond just having, you know, one or two W2s, um, you know, having an accountant provide some guidance can help set up for a more solid financial future. So, but I am a little bit biased in that way. At the same time, my accountant right now isn't, isn't providing that. So it's a little, um, I, I'm feeling a little bit lost because I don't know what, um, I don't know what sort of tax planning, I don't know what sort of other things I should be taking advantage of right now. Um, and, you know, I got to figure that out in the next year or two and find someone who's going to be more proactive about making sure that we're making the right decisions or like some of my startups that I've invested in. I know that there are, um, there are some ways that I can report stuff and take advantage depending upon when certain activities happened. You know, I'm talking in vague terms because I know these things exist, but I just don't know the specifics. So I need to find someone who actually has experience in that in California who can provide me with greater guidance so that I can stop wasting money on things and actually take advantage of whether it's tax related, um, uh, you know, take advantage of some of those things. I also don't know all of the, you know, retirement plan um, instruments anymore. You know, we've got Roth IRAs, we've got SEP IRAs, I've got, um, you know, our IRAs that have rolled over. Um, it's different investing happens in our retirement accounts versus our, our personal accounts. Um, and then with, with the kids, um, you know, I've been putting away into educational IRAs. And, um, you know, now we're pulling money out for our son and then Ray will go to college in two years. And so we'll be pulling stuff out there. So I feel like an accountant can provide more than just tax preparation. And so that that threshold could actually be relatively early on if you want to, you know, make a decision. If you have kids and you're trying to decide, you know, how do I set myself up for, um, you know, for their education? Do I do... Um, I mean, because educational IRA, there's, there are different names for that. It seems to have evolved. And then there's the the other, the five, it's not a 510. What, what's the, the one that 529. starts? 529. Yeah, the 529s. Um, and then also provide, you know, if grandparents want to give money or, um, you know, there are just various different things that you can do to be smarter about it that can actually make up for the cost of a good accountant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. I mean, obviously. obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, here's the thing. So in the past couple of years, there's been this new generation of accountants who, and I'm one of them, who um, we now work with a lot less people. We charge much higher fees, but we provide kind of proactive tax reduction, profit increase, cash flow management type stuff for more, uh, you know, sophisticated folks. Um, so it's definitely everything you've said is absolutely correct. My position was, and I think I mentioned um, to Eugene last time, last or in our last episode, and I think Eugene agrees, right? Um, that you know, if you have a little bit more than just a W two and let's say a student loan form, um, and let's say like as soon as you get a first rental or a first house or you know first kid or whatever, you should think about getting uh, a real accountant to, to do your taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and if you start making a significant amount of money, um, even if it's on a W-2, that's when you st- should start um, getting an accountant too, so that you can think about 
the different ways to, you know, shelter your money. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, accounts in the Cayman Islands. It's more <laughs> about, you know, there are investment opportunities that help you reduce your taxes. There are um, different ways that you can make it so that you're optimizing your own financial situation and not everything's going to the government. Yeah, that's absolutely 100%. Right. Eugene, do you agree? <laughs> yeah. And after my terrible experience this year, I'll probably end up going to an accountant next year. And then I was eventually, once I paid off my student loans, planning on getting like a financial advisor and maybe those would be two different people, but it'd be cool if I could work with like one unified accounting person that knew all of it, but maybe that's bad in its own way. You know, it's interesting. So my, my dad is a certified, uh, he's a CPA and a personal financial specialist. So CPA PFS. So, um, so he was the all in one. And so that was one of the things when I stopped working with him that it was, you know, kind of a loss because he was able to provide both of those Plus, you know, he was my dad, so I trusted him. Um, where it got interesting, Eugene, and here's something to, to think about, is one of the reasons why we kind of went our separate ways is my husband and I were becoming really conscious of the types of investments we wanted to make and the types of companies that we wanted to invest in. And my dad is more of an ROI at all cost, a return on investment at all cost kind of dot guy where you know he had us in some tobacco companies and at one point we did invest in some fracking companies and you know it's some oil and gas because there were some good tax shelter opportunities and that's not you know that's not how my husband and I are with with our money we want to you know we are californians we are um you know all about the environment and you know health you know doing right by people and so my dad would get really frustrated when we would say we would sell things off in order to invest in other things that aligned with our values. So we're starting to see more financial advisors who um, are willing to work with people, whether it's, you know, uh, women, especially, but definitely millennials who are looking for value alignment with their, with their investments. Um, I'm, I know that we're going to have to have two separate people. There's a gal in Texas that I'm looking to uh, reach out to. I've been listening to her podcast. I had her on my podcast. Her name's Stephanie Sammons. And so um, I think I'm going to reach out to her to do wealth advisory or Holly Ruxin with Montcalm in San Francisco. Um, I also had her on my podcast um, to talk to both of them because they're all about um, wealth management and alignment of values. Uh, and then the, t- the, tax stuff. I'm just going to stick with my guy for a little bit longer um, and then figure out what I'm going to do. But I I don't think I'm going to find a two in one. I'd like to, but I don't think I want to. I agree. Um, It's probably going to be extremely hard. And the thing is, like, for example, I know because I'm speaking from my experience on that, I have a license to be an advisor. But to be honest with you, I don't feel comfortable advising folks how to um, invest their money. Um, you have to be in it all the time. And if you're in it all the time, then you're losing the tax kind of side of it or whatever. Absolutely. I think, I think that's the, that's the hard part is to be able to do both. Well, is incredibly hard. I, I think my dad was unusual. Cause you know, I joked that he was, you know, an accountant with blue suede shoes. You know, he really did like doing the sales piece and he loved the investment stuff. 
Um, you know, he's a Schwab investment advisor. Um, and I think he got his broker dealer license at one point, um, because he does, um, uh, 1031 exchanges, um, for his clients, but I think he's an, he's an anomaly. And I don't think most people can be in both, um, and, you know, and do right by their clients from the, the tax side, um, and then there's also a legal element from a state planning perspective. So you end up needing, needing a team. Um, and that's a thing that I think some people are, are paying more attention to right now in light of COVID-19 is getting their, um, their estate and legal stuff in order. And I don't know if that's going to be a topic that you're going to cover in your podcast, but that's definitely something that I don't think enough people are paying attention to is making sure that, they have, you know, whether it's wills or trusts, you know, that they have their estates in in uh, estate planning in place in the event that something happens. So I had Definitely. maybe like yeah. a not quite tangential question, but so we're talking a lot about all these forms and all these people that you have to involve in your financial life. Is this something that you feel you're spending more time on because of your employment situation because i i spend almost no time thinking about anything financial other than maybe i shouldn't be spending 60 dollars on this game <laughs> like well I, I i think as you know as i said i'm i'm just about i'm almost 50 um we have amassed um, a decent portfolio we live in the San, you know we live in silicon valley our house you know, um, is, you know, may not be huge, but you know, it's, it's worth a lot. I mean, it's one of our biggest investments. So part of having all of these is, you know, as, as somebody who's smack dab in midlife, um, and has, you know, some resources available, I kind of need a team to be able to have all of these things in order. With that being said, I think, you know, once you have kids, once you, um, you know, once things go get more complicated in your life, you need a team of people in order to to help out with this um, in terms of planning and then also just general general upkeep. Um, a lot of people may not even think about these things. Um, right now, I don't have um, an estate planner. My friend just finished an additional degree in estates and trusts, but then she went and worked for the court system because I was going to have her help me get everything in line. Cause I did it with my dad many years ago and we amended it after uh, my second child was born. Um, but I feel like we're, we're not complete. Like I don't have everything up to date cause it's just a, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a number of years ago, but yeah, it's overwhelming, Eugene. It's absolutely overwhelming. That's interesting. Do you think this is a good place to, to stop and Sort of yeah, I this. think we want to thank um, Terry for being in our podca- podcast. I think she provided pretty good insight. I mean, pretty unique um, uh, perspective for for our listeners. So thanks, Terry and um, Eugene. We'll see you on the next uh, episode. Thanks so much. <laughs>